it is good again to be in the Lord's house. If you have your Bible with you, and I pray that you do, take your Bible and turn with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10 this morning in the precious Word of God. And we're going to begin by reading one verse, and you say, I can't believe it. We're just going to read one verse, and then we'll get started this morning uh, with our message uh, we began last Sunday a new series entitled, We Can Overcome. And uh, that's good news. In the midst of chaotic times, we can overcome. Soon, I don't know about you, but soon and very soon, I like to say it all the time, I'm going to see the king. Amen. Amen. I, hope you, I hope you're going. It's going to be a great time. And so we can overcome no matter what's going on. And last week, uh, it was amazing. And I was so encouraged just by preparing last week as we talked about overcoming difficulties. And whether you're watching at home or here, if you missed that message, I want to encourage you. Go to our website, listen to that message, and I pray that it'll be an encouragement to you. Notice with me this morning that one verse, verse number 19, Jeremiah chapter 10 in verse number 19 Jeremiah says, Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I said, Truly, this is a grief, and I must bear it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together, and Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it will endure throughout all eternity. Lord, we thank you for Logan and Brittany and the family, God, just their desire to serve you. God, in the midst of a dark season, God, there in New Zealand, God, I pray that you continue to bless their efforts, wrap your loving arms of comfort and provision about them, God, as they continue to visit churches here in the United States before making their way back to the ministry that you've called them to. Lord, I pray that today that you'll be with me, that uh, my words would be uh, your words, God, that you would speak through me and flow through me in such a way that uh, lives would be changed. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching, worshiping with us, that has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today that would be their desire and that, God, that they would choose to repent and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into their life. Lord, we love you. We love you in the good times. We love you in the bad times. Lord, you are our uh, great redeemer. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with us through this time and we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, this morning we're going to consider another thing that we can overcome and, and truly uh, it's a fact of life and it's this idea of disappointment. Has anybody in this room ever suffered a disappointment? Maybe you're disappointed this morning. <laughs> Maybe you woke up and thought, man, uh, it was going to be a great day, and sometimes you just roll out of bed. Like they say, sometimes you get up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, but big or small, the reality is that disappointments just seem to find their way in our lives. There's no exception. Every one of us go through seasons of life where we face disappointment. It was A.W. Pink who said these words. He said, God had only one son without sin, but never a one without sorrow. Isn't that true? Every one of us have faced sorrow and disappointment through the years, and truly learning how to deal with disappointments is, is so, it, it, it's kind of an oxymoron, but we go back, it's difficult. It's difficult sometimes to deal with disappointment. 
In fact, the word disappointment means, if you were to look it up, it's defined as a sadness or a feeling of displeasure. Notice that phrase there, a feeling of displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes and expectations. A lot of times when I counsel with uh, young couples or middle-aged couples or senior couples, we talk about uh, unmet or unrealized expectations and how we have to be careful uh, uh, when it comes to our lives as married couples. The, the reality is that disappointments are the results of this point when reality, the reality of our life doesn't match the expectation. You know, we have an expectation of how something's going to be and then it doesn't happen. Or we, uh, we over-promise and under-deliver and what happens is people get disappointed. And so we all go through times and seasons where our plans change, where dreams are crushed, to be honest. In fact, I've seen how just one disappointment in the lives of people, I've seen how one disappointment has left some people handicapped for life. And yet I've also seen how some others are able to rise above and move forward and we could go through all kinds of passages in Scripture, but if there was ever someone in Scripture who knew about disappointment, it was Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah has been referred to as the reluctant prophet. He's been referred to as the weeping prophet. And uh, this guy faced disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. He was called by God to serve as a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah in a difficult time. And we talked about difficulties last week and. If you read the passage, you'll understand Jeremiah, he's probably about 20 years old when he's called. Maybe a late teenager, but more likely around 20 years of age when he's called. And, and flip over to Jeremiah 1. I want you to see a couple of things about his calling when he's a young man. Because in, verse, in chapter 1, in verse 4 and 5, Jeremiah actually says this. He says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly. Hello. If he knew Jeremiah, he knew you. You can overcome disappointment. He says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so notice the last part. Not only does God say, I knew you. Not only did he say, I sanctified you and I ordained you. But he says, I'm also the one that is sending you to the nations. And if you look at verse number 6, you see Jeremiah's reluctance right away. God says, hey, here's what I can tell you. And then Jeremiah, notice, he says, uh, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. Isn't that what we do sometimes? God says, hey, I want you to do this. And we're like, uh, it's time to come up with an excuse. It's like, excuse time. Let's make up an excuse why I can't serve God. Jeremiah says, ah, and if in that little word, ah, actually is used to speak of Jeremiah's distress and his grief. He said, God, I'm just a child. Don't, 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 you know, it's kind of like, uh, don't put this on me. I can't do this. But in verse number seven, if you read the passage, God essentially tells Jeremiah to get rid of that stinking thinking. He says, hey, you can get rid of that stinking thinking because I'm the one that's sending you. And then in verse number 8, God assures Jeremiah of his protection. He says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. 
And if you were to read the rest of chapter 1, what you find is that God gives Jeremiah a couple of visions of things to come, and he explains about his soon coming judgment. And then notice what he tells Jeremiah in verse number 17. Drop down. God tells Jeremiah, he says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins. Now this is indicative and very similar to what the Bible says over in 1 Peter 1 in chapter 13 where Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. When God says to gird up the loins, she's speaking of a time when the men used to wear long outer garments and they would come down long and so the idea of girding up the loins is to take the end of that garment and to stuff it into uh, whatever's tied around them, to stuff it in and to get ready so that nothing would hinder them from the work that God has called them to do. God says, hey, listen, gird up the loins. Get ready for the mission. He says, arise and speak unto them all that I command thee, and be not dismayed. And that word dismayed means don't be disheartened, Jeremiah. Don't be intimidated. He says, I've got a job for you. And he says, listen, uh, lest I confound thee before them. And keep reading verses 18 and 19. He says, for behold, I have made you, I have made thee a defensed city. He says, Jeremiah, you're like a defensed city. He says, you're like an iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land, against kings, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land. And notice what God tells Jeremiah. Here's the good news. He says, uh, and they will fight against you. They will fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. I don't know about you, but I can only imagine Jeremiah's initial response to all this. It's like the word of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, I knew you, I sanctified you, I ordained you, I'm sending you to the nations. And Jeremiah says, no, 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 you got the wrong man, kind of like Moses did. I can't speak, I, I'm a child. God, you must, you, you must be confused. You must have got me uh, mistaken with Larry. Isn't that what we do? We start making excuses. I can only imagine Jeremiah saying, Lord, okay, let me get this straight. You want me, you want me to go tell people that judgment's coming and they need to repent. God's like, I don't know about you, but not only is that a daunting task, but that could be a very difficult and a very disappointing task. Especially since God tells Jeremiah, says, hey, listen, don't be afraid of their faces. They're going to fight against you. But what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to tell them of this soon coming judgment. And what we know from scriptures throughout Jeremiah's life, he serves God faithfully. In fact, for more than 40 years, he serves God. He never changes. He never compromises the message. He's a loyal servant. But if you read on, you find out that Jeremiah's family turns against him. The nation turns against him, and sadly, he lives to see the nation overrun and the city and the temple destroyed. It's been said that no prophet had less influence on the people of his generation, yet no prophet ever spoke more eloquently for God than, yes, the reluctant, yes, the weeping prophet named Jeremiah. And by the time we get here to our opening text in chapter 10, Jeremiah, he's faithfully called people to repentance. He shared God's word uh, concerning judgment. And more specifically, if you read chapter 10, he's talking to the people about idolatry. 
And uh, what we know from history is that at this point, Josiah, who was known as a good king, has died. And so Jeremiah is not only disappointed that the good king, where he saw a little bit of success take place, he's off the scene, not a good king anymore. There's not a good king in place. And so Jeremiah is, he's disappointed. And he says in verse 19, look, he says, woe is for me. Woe for me is my hurt and my wound is grievous. But I said, truly, this is a grief and I must bear it. He's hurting because of the disastrous behavior of the people. Can I tell you, it hurts sometimes. Have you ever hurt when you see the disastrous behavior of a family member? Have you ever hurt when you see the disastrous behavior of a boss or a co-worker? Have you ever hurt when you hear about the disastrous behavior of a neighbor? Think about Jeremiah. He's hurting because he sees the disastrous behavior of the people. It's painful to endure. But he says, listen, even in the midst of my disappointment, he says, I, I have to bear it. God has called me. This is, this is my plight, if you please. None of us, even Jeremiah, are exempt from seasons of disappointment. So notice with me very quickly this morning, just a few thoughts. Just a few thoughts. Number one, if you're a note taker, write it down. Disappointments disappointments will come disappointments will come when your reality when my reality doesn't match the expectation of our heart if it doesn't match the expectation of our mind disappointment ensues and this disappointment can come at the expense of saying something like I'm disappointed with others here's one that we don't often take time to talk about but have you ever been disappointed with yourself have you ever said what I have to tell what did I do? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I, why did I go to, have you ever done that? But here's the dangerous one. Not only others and ourselves, have you ever been disappointed with God? God, it's not supposed to be like that. Listen, I love you, I worship you, I serve you, I do, 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 do. What is going on? Have you ever been disappointed with God and, and put God on the, on the line and, and blamed God for your disappointment? Disappointments are a part of life. Think about it throughout Scripture. I think about Abraham. He was obviously disappointed with his nephew Lot. Think about uh, Joseph, no doubt, probably disappointed with the actions of his brothers. Do you think he was excited when his brothers threw him into a pit? Do you think he was excited when they said, oh, yeah, 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 let's sell our brother as a slave? I'm sure he was disappointed. And hurt. Think about Moses experiencing disappointment with the children of Israel. Think about Paul in the New Testament. Not only was Paul disappointed with the church, remember he had to write letters to correct the churches that he had, he had been enabled to go and to plant, and he had to write letters of correction. He was not only disappointed with the church, he was disappointed, if you read the book of Galatians, the letter to the church of Galatia, he's disappointed with uh, false uh, teachers. Do you know that Paul also says in Scripture, yeah, you can read it, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, Paul's disappointed with his friends. He's disappointed with his friends. Have you ever been disappointed with a friend? He says in, in that passage, he says that the Bible tells us that Demas, his friend, had forsaken Paul. And Paul, this is his greatest hour of need, and he says, listen, Demas, Demas has forsaken me loving this present world. He says he loved the world more than he loved me, and he's gone. 
In Psalm 63, I was reading the other day, it records a disappointment in David's life and his emotional response to God. Notice in verses 1 and following, David says, Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fall while I wait for my God. This, folks, this is how disappointment works. This is what disappointment looks like. Matthew Henry once stated that when disappointments come, watch what he says. He says, even the children of God's love may sometimes think themselves the children of wrath. Sometimes when disappointments come, we actually believe like we're the children of wrath instead of the children of God's amazing grace and love. Yes, disappointments will come. But secondly, which I want you to know is when the disappointments come, if you'll just make this mental note that disappointments are in God's hands. Yes, disappointments come, but they're in God's hands. It was the American pastor and Bible expositor from yesteryear, Dr. A.T. Pearson. He used to say that disappointments are his appointments. Disappointments are his appointments. And David in Psalm 31 declared these words in verse 15. He said, my times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Job actually understood this as well. In Job 23 and verses 13 and 14, he said, But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, even that he doeth. Notice verse 14. He says, For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. You remember Job had gone through it. Remember that great staff meeting in the sky? And, and the devil comes and the Lord says, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, No, 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 no. I don't consider him because he's got your protection all over him. And God says, Yeah, you could touch all that he has. Just don't lay a hand on him. And you know how that went. And then in chapter 2, they got a meeting again, which kind of reminds me that if they had staff meetings then and all the angels had to report to God, even the devil, guess what? They're probably still having staff meetings today. They're still having a staff meeting today. And so then the devil attacks his body and he's covered with boils and on and on. Listen, disappointments are in God's hands. And I just put these down. This may not be the, uh, the entire list, but the reality is sometimes disappointments come to keep us humble. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Isn't that right? Sometimes we get our halo on too tight. Sometimes disappointments come to humble us. Sometimes they come for our correction. In fact, Jeremiah knew this. Jeremiah says later on in our text in chapter 10 in verse 24, he says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Oh yeah, sometimes disappointments come to correct us. At other times, disappointments come to help us refocus on what's important. See, sometimes we get our eyes off of the Lord. We get our eyes on me, myself, and I. And the Lord says, guess what? Guess what? It's time to refocus. It's time to set your affection on things above. And to get your eyes off of yourself. But many times, I put down in my notes, many times disappointments come simply because God is doing something. Beth was interviewing me a, about a month ago for the kids, and we were talking uh, 
about the kids asked a bunch of questions. At least that's what I was told, that they asked a bunch of questions. And so I was answering these questions, and I think about this idea of God is just doing something in disappointments. I think about, Beth, we were talking about John chapter 9 and the blind man. And uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, uh, what's the sin? What, what is the reason of this, this guy's sin? And the Lord says, there's no, no sin. Did he, did he sin? Did his mom and dad sin? And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Nobody sinned. He was born, watch this, God knew him before he formed him, before he came out of the belly. He knew him. He sanctified him. He set him apart. He handpicked him. That's crazy thought. He handpicked him for that very moment that the glory of God might be revealed. You say, hold on a second. This guy was blind from birth all the way to that moment. Yes, for one specific moment in time that God would get the glory through his blindness. Oh, listen, but like the blind man, Jeremiah, and others, you and I can endure. We can endure because if you look to your left and you look to your right, we're people of hope. We are people of hope. And Paul wrote to the church at Rome. In Romans 5, notice what he says. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse number 3, Romans 5, he says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. But notice verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The idea is that God's love was poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Oh, my friends, whatever the lesson, whatever the purpose is in these seasons of disappointment, you and I can endure Without complaining, you and I can endure. We can believe that God is at work. In fact, isn't that what Romans 8, 28 says? When it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Folks, God's still on his throne. He's not abdicated his throne to anybody in the United States. He's not abdicated his throne to anybody in New Zealand. He's not abdicated his throne to anybody. He's still high and lifted up, as Isaiah said. Oh, listen, I'm not sure that suffering is God's idea of a good time. You say, well, why would God allow suffering in our lives? I'm not sure it's his idea of you and I having a good time, but he allows it to come in our lives for the greater good. For the greater good. You may remember what uh, the Bible says, what the Lord said actually in Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah here in chapter 29, in verse 11 and following. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then, notice he says, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Hey, folks, here's a quick tip. Here's a quick tip for overcoming disappointment, right? Seek the Lord. You want to overcome disappointment? 
Take our eyes off of ourselves and seek the Lord where he may be found. Just like I just mentioned, like Isaiah said, when we seek the Lord, we'll see that he's high and lifted up. When we seek the Lord like Jeremiah, we will see God do great and mighty things which we have no clue about. Oh, listen, but if we fight him, anybody ever like to fight with God? Nobody wants to admit it, but I bet you're out there. Whether you're watching online or in this room, there have been times that sometimes uh, we like to fight with God. We like to complain to God. We like to get bitter with God. But I, can I tell you, when you're fighting, when you're getting bitter, when you're complaining to God, He's not going to do all that He really wants to do in and through your life. He's not. He's not going to barge His way in and press and press and press while you're in the midst of fighting and complaining with Him. It's just not going to happen. Jeremiah said, woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. Truly, this is a grief and I must bear it. He didn't, he didn't complain. He didn't blame God. He didn't try to change God's mind. He just simply trusted God. Someone has put forth the basic law in the universe that says, fight the will of God and it will break you. Accept the will of God and it will make you. Guys, do you know that I don't need to see God's plan. I don't need to see, I don't need to see or know God's plan. I don't have to agree with God's plan and I don't even have to feel God feel good about God's plan. Just in case I'll let you in. There've been times that I have not felt good about God's plan. There've been times that I didn't understand what God was doing. In fact, my wife just rolled her eyes as I said that. She's like, "Yep." Yep, that's happened. It doesn't make any difference whether I feel good about it, whether I know it, whether I trust it, whether I believe it. God says, guess what? I'm in charge. That's exactly what he told Jeremiah. He's like, hey, they're going to fight against you. Jeremiah's like, are you serious? God says, yeah, they're going to fight against you, but I've made you like a defensed wall, like a defense city. You are like a pillar, Jeremiah. Nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's gonna, nothing's going to come against you that I don't allow. You can go, and you can be strong. Oh, listen, disappointments come. Disappointments are in God's hand. And then lastly, I think we would all do well just to remember that disappointments teach us to rely on God. Disappointments, if you've not done this before, try relying on God instead of yourself. They teach us to rely on God. Instead of looking inward, we need to look up. Because Luke says our redemption draws nigh. Paul, to the church at Rome, he says, listen, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Well, listen, God is with us. And I don't know, and you don't know, and none of us know how his promises will play out in our life, but you and I can trust him to do exactly what he said he'll do. God's not a liar. Are you happy about that? God's not a liar. You walk out this door, and you, listen, you don't even have to walk out this door. And someone in this room, somebody watching online may lie to you, but I got good news for you. Our God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Shall I not make it good? This is what Numbers 23, 19 tells us. Our God not only makes promises, 
But here's the beautiful thing about our God. You're dealing with disappointment. Not only does our God make a promise that he's got a plan for you and expected end good and all these great things, and we know that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. The good news is that God says, hey, listen, I'm not only going to promise this, but I actually keep what I promise. I actually do what I say I'm going to do. Yes, he's our way maker. He's our miracle worker. He's our promise keeper, all rolled into one. I was reading a book that many of you ladies have read. I was reading some excerpts from a book the other day entitled, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, a book by Lisa Turkhurst. And here's one of the passages that I thought was interesting in her book. She said, if we want the promises, we have to trust the process. She went on to say, we say we trust God, but behind the scenes, we work our fingers to the bone and our emotions into a tangled fray trying to control our outcomes. Isn't that true? She says, we praise God when our normal looks like what we thought it would. We question God when it doesn't. And many times I put down, she says, we walk away from him when we have this sinking suspicion that he is the one who set fire to the hope that was holding us together. Isn't that how typical we are? We, when things aren't going right, when disappointments are all around and we're in the midst of suffering, sometimes not only do we question God, but sometimes we turn our back on him. Oh yes, when our reality doesn't match our expectations, disappointments often follow. But you and I have a choice today. As we wrap this up, we have a choice we can either submit ourselves to the devil, we can submit ourselves to ourselves, or we can submit ourselves to God. It was Jesus who said in John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief cometh but for to kill and to destroy, kill, to steal, to kill and to destroy. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Oh, my friends. Don't forget the devil. He wants to infect you. He wants to influence you. He wants, quite honestly, to get you to the point with disappointments and difficulties and discouragement and depression. He wants to get all of us to the point where we isolate ourselves from the very word of God and the very people of God that God wants to use to encourage us. Oh, listen, don't trust him. He's a liar and he's a murderer. That's what I tell people all the time. Listen, stop listening to the devil. He does not love you. He does not like you. He does not want the best for you. We are clay. We are just clay, and God is the potter. He is molding us and making us after his will. You see, your situation and my situation may be very different from Jeremiah's, but what were the results as we wrap it up? What were the results of Jeremiah's life? Well, because if you look at it and you read, by the way, let me just encourage you. If you read the book of Jeremiah, it's not in chronological order. And so that makes it very difficult to digest. But as you read it, when you get to the end of it, you're probably going to say, well, that was all for naught. Nothing really took place. This guy, no wonder he's the weeping prophet. No wonder he's disappointed. I mean, really, what took place? Forty years of serving God. And all we see is disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. He endures infliction, opposition, and hatred, and physical violence from people that he loved. The nation's taken captive and carried away into Babylon. Jeremiah's kidnapped and taken to Egypt by some fanatics. And, and there, according to tradition, Jeremiah is stoned to death for preaching the truth. <laughs> a 
I told my wife the other day, obviously, Jeremiah's life doesn't have the happy ending of a Hallmark movie. But God still used Jeremiah's life, even in the midst of his disappointments. If you read about it throughout the dark period surrounding the decline of the, the nation of Israel, uh, there survived a small remnant, a small remnant who would come back 70 years later. It's almost as if the younger people were like, oh, I, we remember what Jeremiah was saying. Dad and Grandpa wouldn't repent. Dad and Grandpa pay attention. Dad and Grandpa wouldn't repent, but we're going to repent. We're going we're to try and make a new start. It's almost as if the younger generation grew up knowing and loving and respecting the Word of God. Men like Daniel, men like Ezekiel. Oh yes, his life wasn't all for naught. And I was thinking about this six, over 600 years later. Jesus is on the scene. And you remember the passage in Matthew chapter 16, and you can read it, uh, I think, over in uh, Luke as well. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Hey, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You remember that? This is, guys, think about this, over 600 years later. You know what his disciples say? The very next verse, verse number 14, the disciples said, Well, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias, and others Jeremiah. What? Hold on a second. You see it? Some say Jeremiah or other prophets. 600 years later, what a huge compliment. The people are still thinking about a life that you and I, if we read it on the exterior, we say not a lot was taken, not a lot happened. Jeremiah's life seemed like it was all in vain. When you and I face disappointments, and we, some of us, it seems like we go from one disappointment to the next disappointment to the next disappointment to the next disappointment, and it seems like all we deal with is disappointments. Don't discount them, because they're truly in God's hand. If we will learn to trust him and to rely on him, he will see us through these seasons of disappointment. Oh, yes, the disappointments of life are the tools that God uses to carve and to polish our lives. Romans 8, 28, I mentioned it earlier. The Bible says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But what is his purpose? Well, you have to keep reading because verse number 29 says, it gives us the why, so to speak. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. There it is, verse 29. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Why? Because God is using it all. High up on the mountaintop, down in the valley, he's using it all to make us more like his dear son. In the Old Testament, we see men like Joseph and Moses and David and Jeremiah. What's the common denominator between these men? Disappointment and suffering. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, he writes these words. He says, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Friends, God builds character in the disappointments of life. And he also gives us an opportunity 
to witness. Jeremiah, he just kept telling people about the Lord. He just kept telling people, hey, listen, you need to put your focus on God. You need to repent. Judgment's coming. And Jeremiah just kept on telling people about the Lord. In fact, God's word continued to be the words of Jeremiah. Is God's word what directs and influences our lives today? Oh, this was a key to Jeremiah's life. Warren Wearsby has said disappointments are not only opportunities for maturity, they are also opportunities for ministry. Our story, folks, no matter what we face, our stories and seasons of disappointment will not be wasted. Don't allow those disappointments to be wasted because God can use our disappointments to grow us and to mold us after his will. We are just pieces of, of clay and he is molding and he is working and he is shaping us to conform more to the image of his dear son. And some of that molding is difficult. Some of that molding is hard. We can experience his sufficient grace and comfort and inevitably disappointments can enable us to become sources of encouragement to others down the road. Do you know you may be going through a disappointment right now that God is going to turn around and use how you overcame that disappointment through his power and his strength to encourage somebody else down the road? Oh, don't discount the opportunities that God gives us through disappointment. As I wrap up, I think probably the greatest disappointment I could ever think of, the greatest disappointment of all would be for us to live our life right here while banking on our goodness, while banking on some other reason that God would let us into a beautiful place called heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Can I encourage you today? no matter what disappointment you may be facing. Don't, don't become a victim. Don't become a victim of the greatest disappointment that could take place in your life. And that would be to step out into an eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you need the Lord's help to help you overcome some type of disappointment? I want you to know that our Lord will never leave us. He'll never forsake us, right? He's with us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In fact, I put down sometimes life's disappointments can seem impossible to bear, but I've got good news. We serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow and the tomorrow after that and forever and forever and ever. I don't know about you, but that's comforting. To know today if you're weary you may be weary physically you may be weary emotionally you may be weary spiritually the prophet Isaiah reminds us and celebrates the fact in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29 and following that he will give power to the faint and to them that have no might he increases strength even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord you're in a season of disappointment just keep on waiting waiting doesn't mean sitting idly by it just keeps on walking and talking with the Lord just keep waiting on the Lord because the Bible says you shall renew your strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and they shall not faint 
Our God will be with us. He will strengthen us. He will help us. And he will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. The psalmist said this, and I close. In Psalm 146 and verse 5, he said, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. In the midst of your disappointments, where do you turn to? Where is your hope? Can I encourage you? Seek the Lord. Jeremiah, scriptures tell us that the Lord will be found. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Just keep on seeking me. Just keep on seeking me. Keep on trusting me. Keep on setting your affection. Keep on looking to me. Look up, not inward. Look up to the Lord, and you'll be able to overcome disappointments. But at the end of it all, you say, well, hold on. You never got past the point that Jeremiah was evidently stoned. You're right. Jeremiah went through disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But even in the midst of it all, God still used his life to bring himself honor and glory. God still used his life because today, on July the 26th, 2020, the testimony of Jeremiah, a man who was being conformed more to the image of God's only begotten son that loved us so much that he went to a cross and died for us. That man is still being spoken about today. Oh my goodness. Don't allow the disappointments of this life to, to dictate how you respond. Just keep trusting God and he will see you through. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, we know that it's not about increasing or rallying our own strength, but God, we understand that you want us to rely solely and completely on you. So Lord, I pray that your people have heard the word today, that they would understand that disappointments are gonna come. But Lord, they're in your hands. And so help us to trust you. Help us to rely on you. Help us to walk with you. Lord, there's no temptation that has taken us, but such is common to man. God, we know that you're faithful and that you'll see us through. God, I thank you for the lesson of Jeremiah's life that speaks loudly and boldly to us today. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody that's watching and worshiping with us that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that they wouldn't allow that to determine the rest of their earthly life and their eternal life. Oh, truly the greatest disappointment would be to live our entire lives without trusting Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that isn't called about in the name of the Lord, that they would understand your love, that they would understand that you proved your love to them in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody watching, somebody in this room that has never repented of their sins, someone that has never called out upon the name of the Lord, that today would be that day that they would realize the scripture in Romans 10, 13 that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I also pray for the believer here 
the believer who's walking through the midst of disappointment after disappointment. Lord, I think of Miss Francis today. And there's no doubt that she could be disappointed in a season like this, going through physical battle after physical battle. And we have so many of our members who have faced surgeries and, and Barry will be having surgery this week. And it seems like we just go from one disappointment to the next. But Lord, we know that you can use these disappointments, that you're molding us and making us after your will. God, I pray that we will trust you, that we will rely on you, even in disappointing times. God, help us to think, say, and do all those things that would bring you the most honor and glory. Lord, we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us. Help us to go away from this place, living a life that draws men and women and young people unto yourself. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for it all. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.